Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Robots can surpass the limitations on how high and far animals can jump, but their success only underscores nature's ingenuity in making the most of what's available. That's next. Explore math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. One day in the summer of 2021, when Chris Keeley was an undergraduate at the University of California, Santa Barbara, he stood atop the coastal cliffs near campus. He crouched to pull a bundle of metal and rubber out of his backpack. It was a robot, which he spent several minutes winding up. When he was done, he hit record on his phone's camera and watched the robot launch itself high into the air, draw an arc in the sky. It's going to land right where it took off. And land neatly near his feet. Keeley was relieved. Many previous test jumps had failed. Later that night, Keeley returned to his bedroom and downloaded the jump data onto his laptop. That's when he realized just how well it had worked. The jumper had reached a record-breaking height of about 32.9 meters. Keeley and his collaborators, led by Elliot Hawks, a mechanical engineering researcher at the University of California, Santa Barbara, reported the jump last April in Nature. Not only had the robot jumped more than three times higher than other experimental robots constructed for that task, it had jumped more than 14 times higher than any other creature in the animal kingdom. In all likelihood, their robot jumped higher than anything ever had on Earth. Ryan St. Pierre is an assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering at the University of Buffalo. He wasn't involved in the study. I think this is one of the very few robots that actually does outperform biology. Mm. And the way that it outperforms biology is incredibly clever. The success of the robot highlights the physical limitations that biological jumpers face in the wild. These limitations obviously keep humans from hopping to the grocery store as if they're on pogo sticks and prevent frogs from falling out of the clouds. But by making biomechanical tweaks tailored to animals' jumping needs, evolution has come up with its own ingenious workarounds that push jump height and length as far as they can go. Even Chris Keeley is still in awe of biology's own designs. Everywhere I look, I see jumping. I can't help myself now. The researchers defined a jump as an act of movement caused by the application of force to the ground without the loss of any mass. A rocket which loses fuel upon launch doesn't count, and neither does an arrow which leaves its bow. Muscles are the biological motors that provide the energy for movements. In order to jump, we crouch down, contracting our calves and other muscles. It's a process that converts chemical energy available in the muscles to mechanical energy. 
Tendons, stretchy tissues that connect muscles to the skeleton, transmit that mechanical energy to the bones, which use that energy to push against the ground to propel the body upward. Jumping works in surprisingly similar ways across sizes and scales in the animal kingdom. But some biomechanical design quirks allow certain creatures to push the biological limits. The power of a jump is equivalent to how much energy is available to the jumping mechanism per unit of time during push-off. The more energy our muscles generate and the faster we get off the ground, the more powerful the jump will be. But Greg Sutton, a professor and research fellow at the University of Lincoln in England, says there's a catch. As you get smaller, your legs get so short that the amount of time you have to generate the energy to get off the ground starts to kill you. You need muscles that generate absurd amounts of power and they can't do it. That's because as animals get smaller, their legs get shorter and are in contact with the ground for less time during launch. So they need to be able to release the energy for a jump with explosive suddenness. But nature came up with a creative solution for these smaller creatures. Sutton says they can store most of the jump energy in highly elastic tissues that work as biological springs. When snapping back to their original length, springs can release that stored energy much faster than muscles can, which increases the power available for the jump. As a result, some of the very best jumpers in the biological world are ones that use springs. For example, a grasshopper stores the energy of its hind leg muscles in springs located on the joints. Those springs look like lima beans. They enable the grasshopper to put 20 to 40 times more power per unit of mass into its leap than a human muscle can. Though the grasshopper's total power is far less than a jumping human generates, its power density, or power per unit of mass, is much higher. Here's Sutton. The thing is that the human and the grasshopper generate the same jump height but the time it takes to generate the energy for the grasshopper is 10 times less. So the grasshopper is using 10 times more power. As a result, the grasshopper can jump to a height of about a half meter, the same on average that humans can, but dozens of times the grasshopper's body length. The power boost that grasshoppers get from their springs pales in comparison with what some other tiny jumpers can muster, says Sutton. If you think about how much power the grasshopper is generating, a human limit is about 100 watts per kilogram. Grasshopper is about 2,000 to 4,000 watts per kilogram. Fleas are 8 to 10,000 watts per kilogram. Springtails, flea beetles, and frog hoppers can go up to 60, 70,000 watts per kilogram. It's orders of magnitude larger than what a muscle could generate. In other words, fleas can achieve 80 to 100 times the power density of human muscles, while the insects called frog hoppers can generate 600 to 700 times as much. The frog hopper's secret is that their spring for storing jump energy is in their thorax. The extra distance for muscle contraction enables the delivery of more power. The grasshopper is a spring in its knees, the femur tibia joint. 
Whereas the frog hopper has a spring in its entire thorax. It'd be your hip muscles instead of attaching to your pelvis attached to your shoulders. Some animals, like kangaroos, don't have separate springs in their biomechanical design, but they have more elastic muscular systems, such as tendons that store a lot of energy for jumping higher. The lesser Galago, a superstar jumper among vertebrates, has extremely stretchy tendons with which it can leap more than two meters high and up to 12 times its body length. When it comes to us humans, our tendons store a little bit of energy and can act like springs, but they aren't remotely as effective as the springier versions in other animals. For at least a half century, researchers have analyzed the performance of some of these amazing biological jumpers to inform their designs of mechanical jumpers. But Sheila Patek, a professor of biology at Duke University, says this new study might mark the first time that engineers designing mechanical jumpers have realized that you don't need to do what biology is doing. The new robot reached record jump heights by overcoming a constraint on biological designs and doing what animals can't, says Sutton. The big advantage it has is it can ratchet. Then the motor can load the spring, reset, load the spring, reset, load the spring, reset, load the spring, reset. And a muscle has a limit on how far it can contract. When you're using your muscles, the shorter they are, the less force they can generate. So the ratcheting system of that robot gets around that limit by allowing the DC motor can just turn an infinite number of time and just load as far as it wants. And muscles can't do that ratcheting thing. Chris Keeley says robots aren't limited by muscles. By storing the energy over a longer period of time, it's able to store more than, for example, a human muscle could. A human muscle stroke takes, I don't know, let's say a quarter second, whereas with the jumper, we could have it ratchet over the course of a couple minutes. By going slower, we're basically able to store more energy. Sutton says the square cross-section of the robot's spring enables it to store twice as much energy as biological springs, which have a more triangular design. Why didn't biological creatures evolve some ability to ratchet their muscles or otherwise move themselves higher, farther, and faster? Muscles are evolutionary very old. Or as Sutton jokingly says, way before backbones, muscles were cool. We got muscles from our great, 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 great backboneless ancestors. Everybody got muscles. And it turns out insect muscle and human muscle aren't that different. And changing fundamental properties of bits is really hard for evolution. Evolution is very, very good at taking the existing tools and using them slightly differently, at making incremental small changes. Evolution is not very big at giant changes of fundamental components. Charlie Shao is a doctoral student and co-author with Chris Keeley and others on the new robot study. If for some reason there's some evolutionary pressure just to jump really high, then I guess we would have evolved really high jumpers. But frogs, grasshoppers, and humans need to be built not only for jumping, but for reproducing, finding food, escaping predators, and doing everything else that life requires. Here's how those trade-offs can work, according to Richard Esner, a professor of biological sciences at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Just in terms of vertebrate behavior, 
there aren't too many situations where you want to jump straight up. Most often, when frogs and other small creatures need jumping power, it's because they're trying to escape a predator behind them. The frog wants to quickly place as much distance between itself and the predator as possible. The frog will likely decrease its takeoff angle, flattening its trajectory to jump farther rather than higher, but probably not the farthest it can, because hopping to safety usually involves a series of hops. Most frogs fold their legs under their body in midair so that upon the instant of landing, they're ready to jump again. Surprisingly, there isn't always natural selection pressure to land properly after a big jump. Recently, in Science Advances, Esner and his team reported about amphibians called pumpkin toadlets, some of which are smaller than the tip of a sharpened pencil. They surprised me actually by how good their jumping was, given that they're so tiny, they've got reduced digits. In order to get really small, they stop development early, and so their limbs aren't very long. They just didn't seem like they would jump that well, but they performed much better than I thought. The landings were really poor, though, and that's because they don't have the ability to control their posture in midair. And that's because, like other animals, the frogs get their sense of balance from the vestibular system in their inner ear. But because their vestibular system is small, it's relatively insensitive to angular acceleration, leaving the frogs ill-equipped to adjust for tumbling during a jump. They're not alone in landing badly, says Greg Sutton, whose lab studies them. We have hundreds of grasshopper jumps, and the grasshoppers always take off with spin. It's always head up, tail down, and they never stick the landing. They're just terrible at it. In a project led by graduate student Chloe Good, Sutton's group is currently studying why grasshoppers spin uncontrollably during their jumps. So if you have a grasshopper, the head up, tail down spin is caused by the force being anterior to the center of vents. That creates the spin. Well, what if we put a little weight on the animal's head? Not a lot. Turns out it's about 2% of the animal's body. In their experiments, that weight came in the form of tiny weighted top hats. Yes, top hats, to shift their center of gravity. That will move the center of mass a little bit forward. And the researchers found that this was enough to stop the grasshoppers from spinning in the air, which in theory might give the grasshoppers more control over their landing. Sutton jokes that's why Disney's Jiminy Cricket also wears a top hat. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle, give a little whistle. But back to science. Sutton and his team have no idea why the insects didn't evolve with a little more weight in their head for that stability. But while a crash landing sounds perilous to us as relatively massive creatures at risk of breaking bones, it's less problematic for smaller creatures. Or in the words of Richard Esner, It's a scaling issue primarily. Esther says with increasing size, body mass increases more quickly than the cross-sectional area of the supporting bones, which determines their strength. Compared to an elephant, a mouse has a lot of bone shoring up its minimal mass. Here's Esther again. When you're really tiny, there's really no risk of damage from a fall. Like I used to work a lot on squirrel behavior, and I would see squirrels fall out of trees all the time, and they just get back up and climb back up the tree and do it again. So below a certain size, 
poor landings aren't a real problem. As a result, Essner says there may not have been strong enough selection pressure to oblige grasshoppers and pumpkin toadlets to evolve the ability to land properly. This freed them to evolve other abilities more important for their survival. The Elliott Hawks team robot at UC Santa Barbara is undergoing an evolution of its own. The researchers are working with NASA to develop their device into a fully functioning robot that could collect samples on other worlds. On the moon, where there's no atmosphere, no air drag, and only one-sixth of the Earth's gravity, Charlie Shaw says the robot could theoretically jump more than 400 meters. You can envision a couple of these jumping robots on the moon or something hopping around, getting from site to site, or traveling large distances to get touch samples or whatnot. And because you can jump high, that means you can store a lot of energy. That means you can also jump very far laterally, right? If you angle yourself... You can also jump very far laterally and that allows you to cover huge distances, potentially get some samples or look at rocks, look at whatever the planetary scientists are interested. Their hope is to launch a jumping robot to the moon in the next five years or so. And if there is life on other planets, it may have new things to teach us about jumping. Here's Greg Sutton's idea. Jumping becomes easier faster than flying becomes easier in lower gravity leaving to the possibility that on a planet with half our gravity, more animals jump than fly. That would mean jumping like Mario or Luigi in the video game Super Mario Brothers. Brian St. Pierre says maybe alien life, being in a different environment, wouldn't work like here on Earth. If there's extraterrestrial life, maybe their muscles work differently. And so maybe they can actually store more energy in a spring. Maybe they have really ridiculous mechanical structures or ridiculous biomechanical structures that they can store energy in a much more complicated way. But even on Earth, animals continue to surprise researchers. As one cautionary study showed, the maximum jumping performance of an animal is not always what we might think. Every year, Calaveras County, California, hosts a jumping frog jubilee inspired by Mark Twain's famous short story. Henry Astley, an assistant professor at the University of Akron, was working on a PhD under his advisor at the time. They looked in the Guinness Book of World Records. The first record that caught our eye was the claim that it was something like a 20-foot jump, which was wildly outside of the realm of what should be. We were skeptical. You know, it's like, well, is it really true? Are they exaggerating? Bullfrogs had previously been known to jump horizontally at most about 1.3 meters, or a little more than four feet. So about a decade ago, Astley traveled to California to settle the issue. So we headed out to Calaveras and took a bunch of videos, and lo and behold, they were blowing away the lab frogs just tremendously, we got up to 2.2 meter jumps and we got huge amounts of data. More than half of the jumps they recorded were farther than those in the literature. They eventually realized, and later detailed in what Sutton calls the greatest jumping paper ever written, that at least part of the reason for the discrepancy was that the motivations of the frogs differed. It was a combination of temperatures and mostly not being scared enough, in part because these were like wild bullfrogs that were captured and then they deliberately minimized interaction with them so they wouldn't get used to people. 
And then going after the frogs, they would just lunge for them. This is huge whole body motion that you really can't pull off in a laboratory where you have restricted space. You've got these expensive cameras all around it and whatnot, and you don't want them to break. So in the lab, where such traumatic motions aren't common, the frogs aren't terrified of anyone. They merely want to be left alone. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Yasmin Saplikoglu's full article, Record-Breaking Robot Highlights How Animals Excel at Jumping, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. <laughs>